Now, we've been reading in Daniel, the third chapter, about these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were serving under King Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, King Nebuchadnezzar was uh, really kind of a psycho-narcissistic crazy man who was the ruler of the world at that time. He was a brutal ruler, thought nothing of killing people. And of course, back, you know, for thousands of years, they would kill people in the most gruesome of ways publicly to put fear in everybody. And what Nebuchadnezzar would do is he would come and whenever he'd conquer a new country, he would take the best and the brightest of that group and bring them to Babylon. It's kind of he was integrating all these cultures so that it would help him to, to uh, secure power over all these people. And when he got to Israel and he destroyed Jerusalem, captured that, and, and one of, uh, on the first run that he, or two runs that he took at Jerusalem, the first time, he took some of these guys, and among them was Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and a couple of these other guys, who he brought back, these really sharp guys, and put them in uh, positions uh, in his government and stuff. Uh, and uh, Daniel was considered one of the wise men. He had all these wise men that, you know, are supposed to have all these insights and stuff. In fact, if you read the beginning part of Daniel, <laughs> just to give you a picture of how crazy Nebuchadnezzar was, um, he has this dream, and it just freaks the willies out of him. He wakes up and he's, <laughs> and he calls for all these wise men, all these people with insights. And I want you to interpret my dream. And they did this on a regular basis. These guys would come. They were interpreters of dreams and whatnot. So I'm sure when these guys got the call, they thought, ah, king's got another dream. Let's go show up. Dream patrol. So they all show up. And the king said, man, I had this horrible dream. What's it mean? They said, well, I don't know. Tell us what the dream was. He says, I can't remember. <coughs> he said, what do you want us to do? Well, tell me what I dreamt and then tell me what it meant. Well, these guys are freaking and they're trying to reason with the king saying, seriously, your majesty, that's unheard of. You don't just tell us you had a dream and don't tell us what it meant. You got to tell us and then we'll, and, and of course he's just, he gets everything his way and he's just really narcissistic. He basically decrees, look, if you don't tell me what I dreamt and what it meant, I'm going to kill y'all. So they all, and they knew he wasn't kidding. This guy would kill people all the time. So this is basically a, basically a death sentence on all of them, including Daniel, who was in this category of a wise man. And when Daniel hears of it, then God uh, blesses Daniel. He's able to uh, recall the dream for the king and tell him what it meant. So he shows up to the king, says, uh, this is what your dream was. And the king, oh, yeah, that's right. That's what it was. I mean, it's really a miracle. And it was Daniel's able to be saved and all these people and stuff like that. And then the king got his dream interpreted. But this guy was just really intense. And he wanted everything the way he wanted. And he was always very demanding, very crazy. At some point, if you keep reading it, he actually does go crazy. Uh, you know, you hear the phrase, don't have a cow. Well, he actually thought he was a cow. And uh, for seven years, he grazed, you know, like a cow. He's a wild, he's out in the wild. And he just went completely nutsoid uh, because he was such a narcissist, a crazy man. And God uh, basically allowed this to happen or did it to him, whatever it was, to, to humble the guy. After seven years, he finally came back out of it and, you know, was a little bit more humble after that. But anyway, so this guy, he's, he's nuts. And he builds this gigantic gold statue. And he makes this command that everybody, whenever the band starts to play, has, has to bow down and worship the statue. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these guys know you only worship God, you don't worship statues, so they wouldn't worship the statue. Well, normally the king would just kill him right on the spot, but the king liked these guys. 
So he brings them in and says, okay, you got another chance. Worship the statue. And we have been quoting for six weeks now or whatever it is, talking about the response that they gave. They said, uh, listen, our God can deliver us. Our God is willing to deliver us. But even if he doesn't deliver us, we don't care. We are not going to be afraid of you, and we're not going to bow and worship. And we've been teaching on that response for weeks. Now we're going to see the rest of the story, all right? So verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious. Here's a man who's used to getting everything he wants, when he wants it, the way he wants it. And these guys would not be afraid. And I promise you, when Satan attacks your life, he wants you to be scared. And it frustrates him to no end when you stand in faith and say, I will not be afraid. God will deliver me. And if he, even if he doesn't, I don't care. I won't be afraid of what's coming at me. And Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude toward them changed. What attitude? Remember, he liked them. Now he doesn't like them. He wants to kill them. Because he wouldn't, they wouldn't do what he said. So then he orders, now you think, all right, I made this great proclamation of faith. Everything's going to be great, right? God's going to show up. Well, first thing the king does is he orders that the furnace would be heated seven times hotter than usual. Often is the case when you're standing in faith, and I know this is a little discouraging, but it's the truth. Oftentimes, things will get worse. Just when you're really praying and trusting God, things will get worse. In this case, the furnace wasn't bad enough. They routinely threw people in this furnace and, ah, they'll fry to death. He cranks it up seven times hotter than it was normally. And then he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into that furnace. So here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men are wearing their robes and their trousers, turbans, and other clothes. And they were all tied up and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three mighty men, uh, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. So here, things are going worse, from bad to worse. They've really cranked up the heat. It's so bad that the guys who are carrying Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego died as they threw them into the fire because the fire was so hot. I, I can't imagine how brutal of a death that had to be because they're walking and their skin has to be blistering and their lungs just you know, burning literally as they're trying to get close enough to drop these guys in and they all died. You think, why would anybody keep, why would they even carry out a command like that? Because most of us, I'm not going over there, it's too hot. Well, you have to remember, this is thousands of years ago and for thousands of years uh, of human history. Uh, and even, even in recent times, I mean, there's some guys that are extremely brutal dictators, but these guys were horrible. They would, when they killed you, they didn't just kill you, kill you. They killed you slowly. They would bring you into the public square. They would disembowel you piece by piece. It was an art form. They could bring you to the point of absolute agony and yet not have you pass out. And everybody would watch in horror as these people would die. Do you remember when we were reading about Paul and Silas? They had gotten arrested and they were in jail. And all of a sudden an earthquake comes and the jail doors pop open. And the jailer freaks because he thought everybody had escaped. He immediately, let's not think about this. His first response, he grabs his sword and he's ready to kill himself. Why? Because these guys, if you fell into the hand of the king, 
the way they would kill you would be so brutal. Better to die by your own hand. So he quickly, and, and they would grab them real quick because everybody knew it. The first thing people would do is if they messed up, they'd try to kill themselves. They'd grab them quick so they wouldn't kill themselves so they could go torture them slowly in front of everybody. So before anyone could even have a chance, he grabbed them so he's ready to kill himself. And Paul goes, oh, we're all still here. And, and the guy didn't kill himself. But these guys, better to walk painfully, blistering to death under your own power and obey the king than to disobey the king and fall into his hands. So this is brutal. So these three guys, they're tied up. They're headed for the furnace. Now you've got to think, oh Lord, now would be a good time to show up because we're headed for the furnace. I don't want to go in the furnace. I mean, let's face it. When we pray, when we're looking at trouble, we are praying that we won't fall into the trouble, right? We pray that the bad thing that's gonna, that we're looking at won't happen. That's what I pray. I don't like going through hard times. I don't like to suffer. I don't like it when my french fries are cold. I don't like to be inconvenienced. I'm the biggest girly man I know, for heaven's sakes. I don't like to suffer. But sometimes, despite your standing in faith, that thing that you're staring at will come to you. And you will start to go through some very difficult circumstances. It does not mean God has abandoned you. It doesn't mean God has forsaken you. It just means that his timing is different. And you're about to be thrown into the blazing furnace. So these guys hoping against hope that they wouldn't, all of a sudden these guys and their dying breath throws them in and the three guys fall into the furnace. Now King Nebuchadnezzar is just, he's mad as a hornet. He is so ticked off because these guys dare, you didn't do this. I mean, nobody, you know, I mean, you know, sometimes you work for guys, bosses that nobody ever stands up to the boss, you know what I'm saying? You know, hopefully I'm not that way. But, uh, you know, you're afraid to because, you know, man, I, I promise you, no one, this guy, no one ever stood up to him. He was the ruler of the world and a brutal ruler at that. And for these three guys to diss him in front of everybody, he was so mad. And he's a sturdy frozen schlagging fry not gonna fry the pieces in that I hope they're dying miserably right now. And then he looks over and he's looking to see their bones and just everything just all charred to nothing. But as he looks down, he freaks because he sees them walking around in the fire. And it says King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three guys we threw in there? Ah, uh, yes, your majesty, that's, that's what we did. Well, he says, look, I see four guys walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. So an angel or God himself, somebody shows up, and walking around, you got to, can you imagine? You're thrown in this thing, thinking, okay, this is it, we're all gonna die, ah! And you hit the ground, and the ropes burn off your hands, uh, but you're not burning. You're not even breaking a sweat. And you're all walking around saying, holy cow, wow, this is cool, this is very cool. And there's three, and all of a sudden another guy shows up. It's an angel. Yo, dude, how's it going? And they're giving each other high fives, and they're walking back and forth in the fire going, check it out. This is awesome. I wonder if I'll get a tan. This is cool. <laughs> and they're 
war and the king looks and he freaks and all the people look and go, holy stinking cow. I'm telling you, if God would have shown up as I would pray, and I tell you, I definitely pray, please Lord show up before we get through the fire part. If he would have shown up and the king miraculously changed his mind, which God can do. And sometimes God will do this. Sometimes God will show up and, and you will avoid the very thing you're afraid of. And it's a wonderful thing. But if that had happened, I'm pretty sure we would not be reading about this this morning. The fact was, they got thrown in. But even though they got thrown in, they were still walking around. Listen to me. When people look at your life and they see that you claim to be a Christian, if everything always goes good for you, they just think you're lucky. They do. They say, well, you're a lucky guy, you know. Everything goes well for you. I guess you got more money than the rest of the guys. And I guess, you know, that doesn't speak to people nearly as much as when you start going through hell and they know you're going through hell. And instead of crying and freaking and panicking and losing your faith in God, you stand strong. You stand up. You are walking around. You are still full of joy in the midst of a horrible circumstance. You are still praising God. That gets people's attention. Holy cow! They're in the fire and they're still standing. Easy to stand when you're not in the fire, right? Easy to be happy when everything's going great. Easy to be happy when you get an unexpected refund for $25,000 from somebody. Easy when things are going well. Yes, that's all easy. It's hard when you're going through a hard time to be standing in the midst of that and being strong. But that is when it becomes such a strong testimony of faith to people around you. This is why God allows these things to happen to us. I know sometimes some of you get very frustrated. Why am I suffering? Why is, where is God? Why hasn't he showed up? What's going on? <laughs> in the stupid fire. Just stand firm. God has not forsaken you. It feels like it, but he hasn't. So anyway, then Nebuchadnezzar approaches the opening of the blazing furnace, and I'm sure you approach it very gingerly because it was really hot. And he shouts, Hey, you guys! Come out! Come here! And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and the royal advisors crowded around them. I mean, they were freaked. Oh my gosh, did you see that? They, so they gather around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched. And here's my favorite part. I love this part. It says... There was not even the smell of fire on them. There was no stink on them. They were stink free. The beautiful thing is you can go through the worst scenario and you can still come out stink free. Hallelujah. <laughs> Pastor, Pastor, everything's horrible. <laughs> Look at everything. It's just, it's just caca everywhere. Cocker castle. <laughs> Stretch out, make a caca angel. <laughs> but it stinks. Yeah, it stinks, but it's not going to stick to you. Hallelujah. 
You might go through a hard time, but when you come through it, you won't even be smelling of the caca you just went through. That's when God shows up, and that's when incredible things start happening, and that's when the glory of God comes. Because you're able to go through something like that, you come out, you don't even stink. No stink on me. Hallelujah. Everybody say, no stink on me. That's right. I mean, make sure you're still showering and stuff, but no stink on me. The Bible tells us about this. Weeping may endure for a night. It does. Sometimes you just got a miserable long night. And it may endure for a night. But he says, though weeping may endure for a night, joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. You say, Pastor, I'm going through the night. What should I do? Well, don't stare at the clock. You hear me? You ever stare at the clock when you're waiting for things to happen? It's like it goes into slow motion. The second hand goes. She's like, it takes forever. Don't look at the clock. Quit worrying about how long you're going to be there. Just stay busy. Keep walking around. Checking out the flames. Making caca castles. Just hang in there. Because the morning's going to come. That sun will come rising on you. Praise God, you're going to come out of there. You're not going to even stink. Not even the smell of smoke is going to be on you. David wrote about this. He says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear nothing. Because thou art with me. And he wasn't just exaggerating. There were times in David's life, if you read it, it's stunning how miserable, some horrible things he went through. We always just read about, you know, David and Goliath, he beat Goliath and he became king and everything was going, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he went through a lot of hell to get there. Running for his life, humiliating circumstances and situations, living in caves. But he says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. See, the key again is don't be afraid. Refuse to be afraid. So, well, Pastor, what if I go through a hard time? Well, you'll go through that hard time. As an old statement, if you're going through hell, don't stop. <laughs> Keep moving, man. I'd rather go through hell. Keep moving. Don't stop if you're in hell. Keep going. There's a scripture in Job, the 11th chapter. Job, really, he went through hell. This guy, just everything went wrong with him. But verse 16 says, you will surely forget your trouble, recalling it only as waters go gone by. I promise you, if you will hang in there, if you will trust God, you will come out on the other end. And the Bible says, you'll actually have to stop and try and remember your troubles. Oh, yeah. I guess we did go through that a few years ago. Oh, yeah, I guess we did do that a hard time. It'll be like waters gone by, like waters under the bridge. This too shall pass. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command, and they were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any other god but their own god. And then he makes a decree. Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who says anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be cut into pieces. He's so mean. And their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save this way. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Their end was even much greater than their beginning. But oftentimes we have to go through the fire. 
I've said this many times, but we'll continue to say it. Everybody wants a miracle, but nobody wants to have to have a miracle. But you can't get a miracle unless you need one. We celebrate these guys being delivered from the fiery furnace. We celebrate Daniel being delivered from the lion's den. We celebrate Lazarus being raised from the dead. We celebrate Paul and Silas breaking out of prison. But the bad news, we forget, for that to happen, first of all, you've got to be thrown into the fire. You have to be thrown into the lion's den. You have to be thrown into the prison. And to be raised from the dead, you've got to be dead first. These guys went through some very difficult times, but it did not consume them. They came through it. They walked through it and didn't even have so much as the smell of smoke on them. No stink on me. When you're going, I'm telling you, it's just got to be your attitude. I'm trusting God. I know you're in a smelly situation, but just keep walking through. No stink on me. This will not stick to me. My end will be greater than my beginning. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. And as you walk happily back and forth in the midst of that flame, the people around you will be going, whoa, check this out. And I just want to commend so many of you that I've talked to since we've been teaching on this. You know, we've had a few of our own trials popping up unexpectedly. Get to live some of this stuff out. But a lot of people in this church are going through a lot harder things than Deb and I are going through. And uh, I've been so blessed as I've heard you come to me and say, you know what? These messages have been encouraging me. We're not afraid. We're trusting God. And in the midst of just a horrible situation, you are standing in faith. You are still smiling. And I promise you, because God promises, when you put your trust in him, you will never be disappointed. It doesn't say you won't suffer. Doesn't say your heart won't be broken. Doesn't say you won't weep your eyes out in the night. But it does say that you will never be disappointed because your troubles will go past and you will surely forget your troubles, recalling it only as waters go by. Your morning will come. God will not forsake you. Paul boldly proclaimed, he said, neither height nor depth nor angels nor principalities nor life nor death nor any other thing in all of creation will ever be able to separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercies. Lord, we pray for those, our friends, part of this family faith family, Lord, that are going through really hard times right now. We pray, Lord, that you would strengthen them, encourage them, help them to walk boldly through the flames that are dancing around them. But we rejoice, Lord, Father, despite our present sufferings, we know that the day will come. Morning is coming. We will walk out victoriously, no hair singed, no clothes scorched, not even the smell of smoke on us because you are faithful. And those who trust in you, O oh God, are never disappointed. Give them strength, we pray. Encourage those that are weak. May they take hope, Lord, from this message this morning. And continue to walk hand in hand with you. Trusting you for real miracles in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.